Today on Not Sam Wrestling, promos, 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 a week of excellent promos, more WrestleMania matches rumored to be happening. And was that Sammy Brand Muffins on SmackDown this week? This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Wrestling, episode 384, and quite a lot we have to talk about today. Like I said at the top, I mean, just so many great promos across every episode of pro wrestling television this week. But before we get into anything, before we get into those rumored WrestleMania matches that are coming up, it's story time. And I'm sure that there are a lot of questions out there, especially from you guys, based on anybody that watched SmackDown this week. Um... I have always been of the school of thought that 80% of life is just showing up. Every element of life, 80% is just showing up. I mean, in personal relationships, whether it be with your, your boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, best buddy, friend, 80% of it is just showing up and being there for the person at your job. When it comes to getting promotions, think about any promotion you've ever gotten. 80% of it is right place at the right time. Maybe you're trying to get into a school. 80% is showing up. You know how I got into Syracuse? I didn't have the grades to get into Syracuse University. I didn't have the SAT score to get into Syracuse University, but I showed up. I got my name on every list that I could get my name on. I went to the, the university tour. I went to the, the interview for prospective students. Anytime there was a college day, I made sure that my name was on the list of people interested in Syracuse so that when Syracuse went through their database of who showed up for what, oh, this Sam Roberts guy, he just keeps showing up. That's all it is, show up. But sometimes just showing up can be the most difficult part right? You can't let yourself off the hook. Sometimes showing up becomes more difficult than you thought it would be. For instance, it was just Friday, a few days ago, and it was 4.38 in the afternoon. And I had just settled into the studio here in the basement. I was going to do, I was a day behind on doing the Not Sam Wrestling bonus Patreon podcast. So I was going to lay that down and then start prepping for Sam Roberts now on YouTube. Just get down and spend a couple hours doing my uh, internet shows. When all of a sudden my phone starts ringing. 4.38 p.m. I checked it. 4.38 my phone starts ringing. And I run upstairs because my phone service isn't that great in the basement. And I go, hello? And the voice on the other end of the phone goes, uh, hey, dude. Do you think you can be in Hershey, Pennsylvania at 7.30? And I looked at the clock and it was 4.30. And I said, I cannot confirm or deny. Westchester, New York to Hershey, Pennsylvania. And so as I'm on the phone, I'm map questing. And I'm going, I mean, no, I can't be there at 7.30. This thing says it'll take me three hours and 26 minutes. 
which would put me there at about 8.02. And they go, well, we need somebody on SmackDown to do an interview. And then I heard him go, what time is the interview? And then I heard somebody on the other end go, first hour. And he goes, we'll just get in the car. And I said, all right, I'm just going to get in the car. Okay, I'll get in the car. I'm literally, I go, okay. My wife is like, hey, what's going on? I go, babe, I'm going to Hershey, Pennsylvania. In the middle of the living room, I start stripping off my clothes and putting a suit on. Because I said, like, look, worst case scenario, I get there just as whatever this segment is going to be starts airing. And I'm in a hoodie. And I'm like, hey, can I change into my suit real quick? No, I don't want to show up on SmackDown in a hoodie. So lightning fast, I'm ripping a suit out of the closet. I'm putting it on. With all this chaos going on, my two-year-old daughter starts taking all her clothes off in the living room. I'm like, no, baby, no, baby. She's like, well, it's already done. I go, okay, well, that's mom's problem to deal with. I put a suit on. I grab a bottle of water. And I go, all right, I'll see you guys later. Praise be to God that I had filled up the car with gas because I am the type of person that leaves a car in the driveway with an empty tank of gas. Car was filled with gas. And I hit the road. I called my dad. You know, I live about 20 minutes from Stanford. So I called my dad and I said, Dad, guess where uh, I'm on my way to? He goes, Stanford. They called you last minute, huh? I go, Hershey. <laughs> he goes, what? I go, yep, Hershey, Pennsylvania. I might or might not be on SmackDown tonight. I'll talk to you later. Pedal to the metal. Of course, when I say pedal to the metal, I mean responsibly driving the speed limit the entire way. I start checking the GPS. It says, uh, I think the first time was 8.13. I go, oh boy. Because it's now, I mean, I was probably in the car. The call came at 4.38. I was probably in the car with a suit on by 4.46. And I hit the, uh, you know, because the goal is to get to that George Washington Bridge. To get to Hershey, Pennsylvania, for me, you got to cross the George Washington Bridge. And if I get there at 5.30, for example... Rush hour traffic on a Friday night, leaving New York City, heading into New Jersey is going to be a disaster. I'll never make it. I got to get there now. Luckily, there was, the traffic wasn't too, too bad on the George Washington Bridge. As I'm getting there, I'm starting to call Hershey and figuring out exactly what's going on. They go, look, we just have an interview that needs to get done. We want you to do it. Uh, uh, it's going to be with the Usos. This is who your producer is going to be. This is who the parking guy is. As soon as you get here, just call your producer, call the parking guy, get in. It'll be all good. I go, okay, no problem. And I mean, when I tell you that for three hours, every 10 seconds, I'm just glancing at the GPS, glancing at the gas tank, glancing at the road to make sure that I don't run over something and end up with a flat tire. It was, I tell you, it was the quickest three-hour trip that I've ever been on. Three hours, 15 minutes, maybe. Because my mind was occupied the entire time. I was like one tense muscle driving the entire way to Hershey, Pennsylvania. And when I was about 20 and I, I saw the clock, you know, you, you play that game with the GPS where you try to get the clock down. So I started getting the clock down. I finally got the got to a place where the clock was down to 8.02. I said, if I can get it to 7.59, then I'll call and uh, and let the folks backstage know. I got that clock down to 7.59, I'm, I'm happy to say. At 7.59, I was about 20 minutes away from the Giant Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and I called the producer there, and I said, 
He goes, Sam. And it was almost like a joke at that point. Like, this is insane that this is happening, but we'll see. And I go, hey, man, I'm about 20 minutes away. I should get there at 8 o'clock on the dot. He goes, if you get here at 8 o'clock on the dot, we might have a half hour before you have to go live. I go, okay, great to hear. As soon, as soon as I hung up the phone with him and he let me know what my buffer was, I pulled into sheets and urinated. I had to pee. It was the entire time I realized about 20 minutes into the trip that I had to pee, but also realized I had to get there because ultimately, and this is the way I think about these things, ultimately, if I missed the opportunity to be on SmackDown, I would regret it for the rest of my life. If I had an uncomfortable drive where I had to pee real bad, I would probably not think about it for the rest of my life because I'd be too busy thinking about how great it was that time I was on SmackDown. But when he told me I had a half hour immediately off the road and I was like, okay, let me pull into this sheets and go pee. So I went to pee, then got right back on the road. Now, I, I don't know why, the, I, and I was following the GPS to the letter. This was not one of those things where I wanted to test my own, uh, my own guidance. This was not one of those things where I wanted to test my ability to route myself. But then the GPS took me on like five miles of back roads before I got to this arena, which I'm assuming was the best way. I, I used Waze, but it was just like, now I'm on back roads. I have no idea. It says I'll be there in two minutes. But when it says you'll be there in two minutes and you're on the highway, your mind's at ease a little bit because generally there are signs that tell you exactly where you are, exactly what's coming up, and you're fine. When you're on back roads, two minutes feels like a long time, especially when you're like, I have no time whatsoever to spare. I just lost three minutes peeing. I have no time whatsoever to spare. I get there, praise be. I get to the Giant Center. It's 8 o'clock. SmackDown has already started. Everybody is in their seats. They sat there and watched some dark matches, I'm sure. The show has begun. And my car is pulling into the lot. I go, where can I park? They go, well, this spot's full, that spot's full. You might be able to find something in, in the, like the suite level parking. I go, okay. Sweet like life of, of, of Zach and Cody, here we come. I pulled in, I found a parking spot, called the parking guy. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll come out to get you, no problem. We met each other, because I'm not going to wait around. We met each other, the amazing uh, parking guy, Hunter there at WWE, one of the many, 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 many unsung heroes of an incredible backstage crew. Because let's be honest, we're talking about doing live television, and one of the parts of the on-air product is not going to get there until right before you go on. Do you know how good you have to be? Every element of your behind-the-scenes crew has to be when you realize that that's the way we're doing this. It's mind-boggling to me. It's not like I can just slide in and, and whatever's going on, it'll be fine. In order to not look like I just got there and have no idea what's happening, you have to have a, an incredible crew, like nothing else in entertainment, that can make this look good. And, dude, did they make this look good. I mean, my God, did they make it easy for me. It's, like, mind-blowing. It's almost, as somebody who gets to have the ridiculous job of holding the mic and talking, it's, I mean, I feel spoiled the level of, of, of treatment that I get from that WWE's behind-the-scenes crew. It's just unbelievable. But I walked in, you know, I walked into to the back of the arena there, and right away, my producer's there. He's working with uh, Happy Corbin on whatever the segment right before I'm on. And he goes, Sam, you're here. Great. Okay. 
So, uh, so, so here's what you're going to do. I'm finishing up this segment, and then we're going to go right to you. I go, okay. And they go, okay. Here come the Usos. The Usos walk over. He goes, what, do you just show up whenever you want, Sam? And I go, Us, I literally just got here. They call me at home at 4.30. He said, for this? I'm sorry. And I said, sorry? I get the privilege of getting to talk to you on Friday Night SmackDown? Don't you ever say you're sorry to me. You're the SmackDown Tag Team Champion. You're part of the bloodline. So they go, okay. And I mean, it's literally just like out the car, into the arena, hello to the producer, hello to the writers, and onto the SmackDown interview set. And I'm like, is this even really happening? Because your boy's never been on SmackDown before. Is this all really happening? And they go, okay. First thing we're going to do is just you talking to the Usos, talk to them, there won't be any audio. And I go, oh, okay. They're like, this is just a preview. We're going to have you, you're going to be talking to them and then we're going to go to break, but there's no audio. I go, okay. And like, I probably didn't even know we were really on the air, on the air, just because my brain was all over the place. I'm like, am I still on the road? Am I still on those back roads? Am I still pulling off into sheets? There is too much going on. And I'm thinking to myself, four hours ago, I was building Legos with my son thinking like, oh, this will be an easy Friday. So we do the thing and it's live, live, by the way. It's not like it's pre-taped and it's like, okay, Sam, settle in. We'll pre-tape it. We'll make sure it's good. Oh, no, 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 no. We're on Fox, baby. We're on network television. And I do the thing and, and we're we're talking. We're showing our fingers and everything. And and then we, we go to break. And they're like, okay, when you come back, you're going to ask them about the contract signing, blah, blah, blah. I go, all right. Now, they put an obscene amount of trust in me. They put more trust in me than I put in myself. I get treated very, very well over at WWE. They're like, oh, you know what you're doing, right? You know how to talk into a microphone. I go, if you say so, I don't If you, I don't know that I would put that much faith in me, but if you're putting that kind of faith in me, you seem to be pretty good at your job, so I'll, I'll trust you on that. And so they're like, yeah, just introduce yourself, introduce the Usos, and ask them about the contract signing. I go, all right. And then they start, I, they're like, okay, we're going to count you down and we're going to go live. And if you, if, you, if you look at that interview, if you look at the segment on SmackDown, there is a split second where I'm looking at the camera and not saying anything, but I'm smiling. And I will tell you, since you are my people, you are the not Samsonites. In that moment, I'm thinking about everything. I'm thinking about the fact that I'm there at all. Because, I mean... Like, I know a lot of people talk about, a like, a, a dream come true and, oh, it's just the best. It's a dream job. Like, this this is, this is it. I know in that moment, like, from the time, I, like, I realized when I was, I mean, younger than 10, that I did not have the makings of a varsity athlete, right? Like, maybe when I was five, I said, when I grow up, I'm going to be a wrestler, but by the time I realized that there are children that have athletic abilities and children that don't have athletic abilities, and I fit firmly into one of those two categories, I knew that I was not going to be a professional wrestler and there was no reason to pursue it. However, working within wrestling, especially on the broadcast side, that wasn't a thing that I ever gave up. There's tapes of me. As a kid, I mean, I got a talk boy probably in, you know, 92, 93. And I'm just sitting there 
doing commentary, calling imaginary episodes of Monday Night Raw doing Vince McMahon and Macho Man Randy Savage voices. When I would play with my Hasbro figures, we would absolutely do backstage promos with an interviewer and everything. I mean, this stuff has been in my head forever, and this is it. This is Mean Gene. This is Lord Alfred Hayes. This is Todd Pettengill sitting there on the set with a microphone talking to the talent on SmackDown, on Fox. It doesn't get any bigger. And in that moment, I'm like, not only is this all happening, but then, and I swear, this is all flashing in one second. I also start thinking about WrestleMania 35, I want to say it was, maybe 36, whatever, WrestleMania in New Orleans, when I flubbed up, you know, colossally, my, my moment. Action is on the way. And I remember sitting there, and I remember having that microphone and having that camera on me and just not being ready for it and realizing like, okay, you know, I screwed up because there were a whole bunch of things going on. But ultimately, if your only job is to talk into a microphone in front of a camera, it's not unheard of to think that maybe you should be ready for any possible thing to go wrong. And you, your only job is to not look like an asshole. And I was not able to accomplish that on that night at WrestleMania. And I thought about all that in that one second. I knew what I was going to say. I had I, I had rotated in my head two or three times. But in that moment, I was like, this is it. This is that moment again, except we're on SmackDown. I can't believe this is happening tonight. If I screwed this up right now, it would, I believe, be even worse than WrestleMania. And then I said, Sam Roberts here at SmackDown. Please welcome my guest at this time, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos. And look, man. It's all over my face. If you go back and look at that clip, it is all over my face. The level of excitement. Look at my hand, right? As I grip the microphone in that interview segment. I am choking the thing to death. I am squeezing the life out of that microphone. And that's not because I'm nervous. Because I didn't have time to be nervous. I wasn't able to process it at all long enough to develop nerves around the situation. It was just, here's the deep end of the pool, now you're in it. So there's no nerves. It just becomes pure excitement. There's electricity running through my hand that I'm just, sque- I could I could have crushed that microphone in that moment, I think. And it was just excitement to be there and be doing it all. And then the Viking Raiders come in. I powder. I say, I'm out of here. They beat up the Usos. My mom called me. She was like, oh, man, I was really glad. You were really smart to get out of there when the Viking Raiders came in. You could have been involved in the physicality. I was like, yeah, kayfabe, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) And then that was it. And then I said, and I mean, later on, it was, and then I just, you know, said hello to everybody. A lot of people who knew what had happened, a lot of the writers, a lot of the producers came up and thanked me and did this and did that. But I said, like, seriously, like, do not, you don't need to thank me for something like this. When I get called at 4.38 in the afternoon and the call is, look, 
We've got the coolest opportunity in the world for you if you show up, if you can get here. Ain't no time in the world that I would have said, I don't think I can do it. Five minutes before we were live, I had a text from Bruce Pritchard. He said, are you here? I said, yeah. He said, ah, I was hoping you'd run out of gas. I said, dude, I would have hitchhiked. Chat me up, Bruce. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And I want to uh, profusely thank Michael Cole, Bruce Pritchard. I mean, all of the producers involved. I don't, Tommy Cullen, who's just like, Tommy Cullen is a name that you guys don't know because it's not brought up. But when I tell you that there are all stars behind the scenes at WWE that like any entertainment company, not pro wrestling company, any entertainment company should be willing to kill to get their hands on. Tommy Collins, one of those guys. He was the guy that was working hands-on with me for that. And a lot of other people. There's a lot of new writers there that are really, really talented. But, you know, and I, 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 I there, there's many, many names that I could mention that, that just, man... Stuff gets taken for granted. And 30 seconds of TV, so much work, not by me, by everyone else, was put into that 30 seconds of TV just so it could look effortless. It's amazing to see. And I thank all those people and the writers and and everyone that was there. Megan Morant, who came up to me and she was like, hey, this is how I start my interviews real quick. Because I was like, wait, have I done one of these backstage interviews before? Everybody there that was just like, oh, Sam's here. Let's make it easy for him. Amazing. Amazing. The people that pull me aside after saying, here, you did great. Here's what you could have done differently. But I mean, just like it just knowledge pours down like rain in the WWE and it's uh it's incredible. So it was an incredible experience and then after that, you know, just chilled out, said hello to everybody, watched the show. Saw Brock Lesnar, saw Johnny Knoxville, Sami Zayn, Sonya Deville, Ronda Rousey, Roman Reigns, The Bloodline, Paul Heyman, everyone. Everyone. Drew McIntyre, they came up to me, one of the digital producers who again, thank you to the WWE digital team, one of the digital producers said, "Hey, Sam, I go, yeah. He goes, while you're here, you want to interview Drew McIntyre for a, a digital exclusive? I was like, yeah, what? Just, yeah, I'll do everything while I'm here. Just tell me what you need. And so they said, just ask him about the Claymore kick on Mad Cat Moss. I go, I'd be my pleasure. So we did that. That's up on YouTube and the WWE social channels. But yeah, man, absolutely amazing. And thank you to the people I named as well as the people that I didn't name uh, for making it possible, for making it easy, and for affording me the opportunity. And then after it was done, they even said, you want us to get you a hotel room? You want us to, how do we make it easy? I go, no, no, I just drive home after it. I'll, you know, three hours there, three hours back, three and a half hours, whatever it was. And then drove home, stopped on the sheets on the way home. Lots of people there though. I had to duck out. Couldn't, because otherwise, you know, I would have been there for an hour waiting for food to get made and everything. But I did get some of that Sheets Pop. It was delicious. But so that's the story behind how I got to SmackDown. It was really, uh, 
it was really, really awesome. It was really, really awesome. And uh, and I thank all of you guys too that that reached out. A lot of very supportive messages on social media, on Twitter and Instagram and all that. So really, really cool. Um, ah, forgive the interruption for just a moment, but I know you're probably wondering, Sam, what gives you the confidence to be able to step in front of a SmackDown camera and do what you did on Friday night? Well, I'll tell you what. One thing that gives me the confidence is knowing that after I leave the arena, I'm going to be able to go into the bedroom and perform at the highest level possible. It's true. It might be uncomfortable to talk about, but we got to get comfortable talking about it. And you'll be a lot more comfortable talking about it if you've got Blue Chew. I believe it anyway. BlueChew.com. It's, of course, a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. You can plan ahead. You can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The process is simple. You just go to bluechew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and you're not going to a doctor's office. You're not going to a pharmacy. You're not standing online. You don't have to tell anybody about this. Your mailman not, is not even going to know, okay? Your mailman is going to notice that you're a little bit more confident. Your mailman is going to notice you're a little bit more sure of yourself, but he's not going to realize that he's the one giving you the goods because it comes in such discreet packaging. It's absolutely amazing. It's going to change your life. It's going to change the life of the person that you're involved with. And I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier to ask your partner to be okay with watching wrestling seven nights a week if they know that after you're done watching wrestling, you'll be there for them. Blue Chew can help, and best of all, you can get it for free. Yes, try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code, not Sam, at checkout. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com with promo code, not Sam, to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information, and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Speaking of cool, we got a lot of cool promos this week uh, on on Raw, on Dynamite, on SmackDown, all over the place. It's just wrestling is just building and building and building and building. I wanted to talk about the Edge promo because the Edge promo was specifically interesting. It was uh, firstly on Raw on Monday last month. Last Monday they did the uh, Logan Paul thing, where I think they were playing. I I, I like that they're playing with the fact that a lot of the internet is talking about Cody Rhodes and how there were those, I didn't think so, but I think there were some that thought that Cody was going to be brought in as Miz's partner, which I, you know, I was like, number one, that's not a great idea, but number two, it's no way they, it's, there's no way it's not going to happen. And it obviously it didn't happen. I think Logan Paul is the choice. Although I would have preferred bad bunny turn heel. I, that's what we're waiting for, right? Bad bunny might be, is among, on the short list of greatest celebrity superstar match things. I don't even know how you how you categorize it. But if you take Pat McAfee off the list, because now he's a, an employee and a SmackDown commentator and all that, and you're just going celebrities that come in just for a match and then they bounce, maybe come back for another, but you know what I'm saying? Um... Bad Bunny's on the short list of greatest of all time. Uh, he's got to turn heel at some point. 
I think fans would eat up a Bad Bunny heel turn. And I think that, that you know, Logan Paul is great. Logan Paul is one of the great heels of all time. You know what I mean? Right now, he's like a, he's like a real life heel. So I, you know, I, I think I think that that he's a great choice to team with the Miz. It's guaranteed booze, and and it's going to be awesome when the Mysterio. Hopefully, the Mysterios beat them, and it'll be a great feel good moment. But Miz bringing up uh, dashing, first of all, coming from a fighting family, and secondly, bringing up he is dashing. And it's like, okay, I know what you're doing here. Only smoke and mirrors, huh? I know what you're doing here. By the way, I uh, I love Twitter. I tweeted out something like, uh, Logan Paul rules he's not just smoke and mirrors. Which, like, clearly, the point of the tweet is not Logan Paul rules. Logan Paul rules is a setup to get a joke about the lyrics to Cody Rhodes' entrance music in there. And most people got it, but then WWE on Fox retweeted it. So then it goes out to the mainstream, right? I feel like most of the people that are paying attention to what I'm tweeting are smart enough to figure out what I'm tweeting. But all it takes is for one of the blue checks to retweet it, and then it gets seen by all the eyes it shouldn't get seen by. Because, I mean, for days, it was like Kid Rock Gate all over again. Not quite as bad as Kid Rock Gate, but for days. Ugh. You think Logan Paul's great? Screw you. It's like, it's idiotic, but, <laughs> but hilarious. Um, but the Edge promo to me on Raw, uh, I mean, it, it was vintage Edge. It was so great. Edge is at this point in his career where one of my favorite things about him are just all the little subtleties. Edge is on this, this, pro wrestling appreciation tour that I think is going over some people's heads, but not even necessarily in a bad way because he's doing things in such a subtle manner that it's like, if you get it, it's bonus points. And if you don't get it, it's still good stuff. Like the stories that he's telling in the ring are great stories. Every match he's had, there's been a great story behind it. But for the most part, if you dig a couple layers underneath that story, you can find all this other wonderful stuff. So I went back and I rewatched Edge's promo from Raw a couple of times because I wanted to see everything that I picked up on, you know, because it was great. It was just Edge. Edge just did an excellent job. Not that he even needed to. I was going to say of selling us on the idea that he's an essential WrestleMania player, but I think it's more accurate to say reminding us that he's an essential WrestleMania player. Because, you, I mean, you can't get around it. I mean, the whole match between him and Mick Foley was Mick Foley's never had a WrestleMania moment and he needs one. Edge has had so many WrestleMania moments. Like he said in the promo, the TLC match, of course, WrestleMania moment. The match with The Undertaker, WrestleMania moment. The match with Foley, WrestleMania moment. The the uh, 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 the Cena stuff. I mean, there's so many. And the fact that, you know, he had his last match retaining the world championship at WrestleMania. It wasn't the greatest match in the world, but for historical significance, I think that you can put that on the list. But I think the interesting part was that he basically laid out an open challenge for WrestleMania. He said that it's that the Edge match at WrestleMania is 
as important a match as you're going to have at WrestleMania. And he needs to find out who he's going to have that match with. But instead of just saying, okay, open challenge, who faces Edge at WrestleMania? He had all these little Easter eggs sprinkled in there. For example, when he was, look, he said he listened to WrestleMania 3 on the radio, right? He said he got the results from WrestleMania 3 on the radio, right? So the radio told him everything that he knew? Obviously a Zack Ryder reference. All right, I might be stretching there, but I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. Here are the real references I got. First of all, I think that there's something to caution to the wind. He said throw caution to the wind twice. And he said it at key times. Like it, it was important to get in there. I haven't quite put my finger, and I would love, email me, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at notsam if you have an idea as to who it could be. But I feel like caution, throwing caution to the wind is a direct reference to somebody or one specific match. Because otherwise, I don't think that you would say it twice because the second time it felt very deliberate. A lot of this stuff, it felt very deliberate. Like, for instance, that's what I like about Kenny Omega's promos in AEW that he was doing. When he was like, I think it was, he was cutting a promo on Christian but in reality, everything he was saying applied to CM Punk. You know what I mean? Like there was this whole subtext. I love subtext in a promo. And I felt like this promo was almost 100% subtext. Like there was enough there. Him talking about how 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 he he is WrestleMania and he needs WrestleMania, but WrestleMania needs him. Like that was the surface level stuff. And it was brilliant. It was great. But all the subtext. I mean, clearly I got, I got two very clear references and then one reference that could absolutely be for multiple people, okay? The first one, I think everybody got. When he says, I need to do this so I can be phenomenal. I don't, th I mean, the, the arena reacted, right? I think that everybody heard that and said, okay, that's AJ Styles. But I also feel like because that one was so noticeable that a lot of people heard that and then they shut down for the rest of the promo, thinking, okay, this is just a tease for AJ Styles. And it may just be a tease for AJ Styles. But at the same time, he also said his inner demon. He talked about his inner demon. There's no way that you accidentally bring up inner demon. When you have WrestleMania in about five weeks, Finn Balor has just come back and you say inner demon in your promo. Demon means one thing right now to the WWE audience. And let's be honest. Finn Balor needs the opportunity to remind people what he's capable of. Because the last taste that we have of Finn Balor is him losing to Austin Theory, and then before that, the demon losing to Roman Reigns because a rope broke. With no follow-up, no Paul Heyman broke it, no, just an accidental rope broke, and then Roman Reigns pinned him. Like, Finn Balor is two steps forward, one step back right now, and we need a couple steps forward, and we need that to happen at WrestleMania, and Edge is the type of guy that if the demon came out, because I think the demon should come out for WrestleMania, Right? 
Like, if you're just throwing everything you've got at WrestleMania, why not give us a demon match? People will still flip out for the demon. And I think the demon losing to Edge could happen in a in a way that is graceful, that allows Edge to get the victory, because I think Edge should have this WrestleMania victory. I don't think he should lose uh, right now. And I think it would also allow the demon Finn Balor to just have such a great performance on this stage with Edge that it reminds people how good he is. I, I don't think the story would be, oh my gosh, the demon lost. I think the story would be, Finn Balor is the tits. There's no one better than this guy. Why isn't he doing more? I think Edge could bring that out in in Finn Balor, and I think the demon could really pump some fuel into Edge. But quite frankly, I mean, I'm not going to sit here. If you tell me that the match is Edge and AJ Styles, I'm not going to go, oh man, could have been the demon. I'm going to go, that's awesome too. Now the other reference was the end of the promo. When he said, I'll make you live forever. That wasn't a mistake either. There's two things going on there. The first was Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes ended his his statement about leaving AEW by saying, let's live forever. The last person of significance in the WWE stratosphere that used live forever was Cody Rhodes. And with Cody heavily rumored to be coming into WWE and the fact that, you know, he didn't show up at Elimination Chamber, he didn't show up at the Raw after Elimination Chamber, we don't know exactly where he would fit in. There's not like, you know, there's rumors about Stone Cold Steve Austin being at WrestleMania versus Kevin Owens. We can kind of hear in the way Kevin Owens speaks that that would make sense. That if Stone Cold Steve Austin showed up at any point, we could plug him right in to what Kevin Owens has been talking about. There is nobody that has been starting anything that makes you think, okay, Cody Rhodes could slide right in here unless the promise is to live forever. And that could be what Edge is talking about. Edge could be teasing a Cody Rhodes match. Now, for me, I want to see Edge win at WrestleMania. I also want to see Cody Rhodes win at WrestleMania if Cody Rhodes is going to be performing at WrestleMania. That's the only reason I wouldn't pick this match. Although, if this was announced, I'm not going to sit there and not be excited about it because the match itself is going to be a banger. Are you kidding me? Cody Rhodes' first match back in the WWE and it's against Edge? Oh, Ah, oh. and I would hope at that point Cody Rhodes would win, and I think Edge could recover from that okay. And then Cody starts whatever he starts the Monday after WrestleMania. Ugh. Ah. Uh. However, Live Forever was not just a Cody Rhodes thing. Live Forever was what Damian Priest used to say. Damian Priest's whole thing was Live Forever. And if you've got Edge, like there are two ways to go with Edge, right? You put him in the ring with somebody who's established. Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Cody Rhodes. Or you put him in the ring with somebody that you've been building. You put him in the ring with somebody who you want to get some shine at WrestleMania to continue to build towards being one of the next big future stars. And that's what you've got with Damian Priest. And that's what you could have in a match between Edge and Damian Priest. I don't think that it's so crazy 
to think that Edge versus Damian Priest is your United States Championship match at WrestleMania. I think that based on how much has happened with Damian Priest. Damian Priest, I believe, has only had one loss in WWE, and it was to AJ Styles, and he made up that loss. He beat AJ again. I don't think that they had Damian Priest beat AJ Styles because they don't have big plans for this guy. I think if you look at Damian Priest, I mean, clearly, this is that same model. Like, I think that that Roman Re- John Cena, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, Damian Priest, it does all make sense. And I think that Damian Priest is that guy. You know, I, I think that I think it's a matter of time for Damian Priest. And he only, it feels like he only becomes more superstar-like to me. It feels like every week or every month or every time you think about Damian Priest, he has slid in more into that sort of main event stratosphere or gotten closer to that main event stratosphere every time you you look at him again. So I don't think the idea of Edge versus Damian Priest is silly. I think the idea of Edge versus Damian Priest is very possible and, and would probably benefit both people quite a bit. But that's what I love. That's what I love about this promo, that I came out of this promo goofing around about Matt Cardona, obviously, although that would be like the coup of the century. But, I mean, maybe not the coup of the century. There's a lot of stuff happening at WrestleMania. But it would be a major, major thing. But the idea that just listening to the promo, he called out Edge... AJ Styles, Damian Priest, Cody Rhodes, and I don't know, I'm probably missing some. But I can tell you that I, I I definitely got those four. Speaking of good promos, we're not talking about promos on this show that happened in the last week without talking about MJF setting the world on fire over on Dynamite. I mean, my God, the question is, where is it going to lead, right? I thought that, that the level of realness that MJF hit people with was incredible. And and I think that's one of those things that it takes a very special talent to be trusted with delivering as complicated a message as MJF did without screwing it up. That's a, 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 especially to bring in themes of anti-Semitism and bully, bullying and bullying over anti-Semitism. That's, those are, that's heavy, man. That is heavy. Heavy stuff. And he's a heel. For a heel to not only retain being a heel, but to be able to talk about serious themes without trivializing them or hurting his character, that's a difficult thing to do, man. And MJF pulled that off. I think that MJF... pull back another layer. I mean, this this kid is an onion. He pulled back another layer and showed the world what he's capable of. Like this is, he's opening his toolbox and explaining to you that, yes, I have this skill set and that skill set. Oh, but here's something you haven't seen before. I can make a single teardrop from my eye. Who can make a single, how do you do that? How do you make a single tear roll down your cheek? Insane. Now, I have to wonder, on uh, big picture, nothing matters, right? Big picture, the only thing that matters is that moment in time, and that was the moment that MJF proved that even though you thought he was on a high level, he's on an even higher level. That, that, that 
the end at the end of the day, it's not about this micro story with CM Punk. The macro of it is that MJF just showed the world that he's capable of yet another thing on an amazing, amazing level. I mean, prodigy is thrown around a lot as a word, but I don't think that it applies to anybody more than it applies to MJF. It's just incredible. Now, in the short term, you have to wonder where it's going. For me, I saw him tweet out that that was a very, very difficult thing to do. And by the way, CM Punk coming out and just saying, was that real? And MJF just going, yeah, and leaving. Like, Punk played his part to a T, too. That was... Because Punk, another performer could come out and screw the whole thing up. If somebody comes out and is cheesy after that real promo, then it takes everything, it takes the wind out of those sails. But Punk blew those sails across the ocean fantastically. I thought the whole thing ended up great. Now, a couple of questions on in the short term. Now we're going to get to the trivial stuff. Number one, where does it go? What was the purpose of it? There's two schools of thought, I think. Some people think that the purpose of it is to uh, add that, that humanity to a heel, that every great villain is acting in a villainous way for what they feel like is truth. That no heel that's good at what they do is acting like a heel just because they're a bad guy and they act like a heel. Like there is some kind of kernel of logic and truth behind what their actions are. And that works in wrestling, that works in comic books, that works in film, that works everywhere. Any storytelling device in order for your heel to be a good heel, they have to come from a truthful place. So there are some that think that this is just the brilliance of MJF telling a, a humanized backstory so that people can understand he's not just a heel for heel's sake. Maybe. The other school of thought I think is probably more likely, and the reason I think it's probably more likely is because he came out with a tweet after his promo that said, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Thank you all so much. Nothing that MJF does publicly is dropping character, ever. Before he was in AEW, before MJF was in AEW, he was on this podcast, and he w wouldn't drop character. He was on Stone Cold's podcast, and he wouldn't drop character. That was way before AEW, and he wouldn't drop character. He's in the Not Sam studio. He's one of the only people... I mean, it's one thing to not drop character when I talk to you at like a press junket or like a whatever. But for you to come to Westchester to sit down one-on-one -on -one with me in the Not Sam studio and not drop character, that's a whole different level of commitment. So there's no way that he went on Twitter and tweeted out this thank you as an aside. Like, oh, well, you know, MJF is a character, but this is Max saying thank you. No, it's not. Everything on Twitter is a reflection of the character on television for MJF. And that's the way it should be for all wrestlers, if you ask me. But so then you ask, okay, why is the character, because it's not Max tweeting, it's the character tweeting. So why is the character tweeting thank you? I think more likely it becomes a twist and it was a mind game, right? I think that after I saw the tweet, I go, okay, he's building sympathy and he's getting people on his side to be like, yeah, you really did struggle just to be like, screw you. And then maybe he'll come out and say like, are you kidding me? Blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I think that, that 
hopefully he will piggyback off of this to be even more of a dick. That this whole thing, and you know, I think it has to be done delicately, but I think it can be done delicately. That the whole thing was just a ruse to get into CM Punk's head. Not to say that that stuff didn't happen, but the reason he's bringing it up is not to get it off his chest, but really to give himself the advantage over Punk. And I, I, I think that that's where it will go. I hope that that's where it will go, because quite frankly, I don't need real humanity brought into the MJF character at this moment. When we're talking about the performer, it's like, yeah, that, like he's brilliant. But in terms of just the character, it's like, I, I, don't, I don't need the personal motivation yet. I mean... It worked. Hey, sorry for the interruption, but this is important. I'm sure you know by now that Not Sam Wrestling is one of the longest running wrestling podcasts in the history of the world. But what you might not realize is it's all because of the support of people like you. If you would like to keep continuing to support this podcast, you can do it for free. All you have to do is, first of all, make sure you're subscribed to the show and that you download the podcast every single week. Wherever you download the podcast from, make sure that you've left us a review and a five-star rating. Did you know you can now rate podcasts on Spotify as well? If you're listening on Spotify and you haven't yet, go over, give us a five-star rating. You want extra content for free? No problem. You can help us by subscribing to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash wrestling, where we post video content from this show every single week. And if you'd like to go the extra mile, if you're looking for even more content, if you want a bonus show every week, if you want to jump on Zoom calls with me, if you want to get the opportunity for merchandise, if you want extra video content, become a Not Sam Shill. Go to patreon.com slash Wrestling. It starts at less than a dollar a week. You can become a Not Sam Shill. Hey, do any of it. Do none of it. Do whatever you think is right. But I appreciate your support and your continued listenership of Not Sam Wrestling. But, but but I don't need it just yet. So I think that's probably where it will go. I also think, by the way, that that promo between Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston, you want to take one segment of television and create interest in a pay-per-view match that's happening in two weeks, the Eddie Kingston and Jericho promo should be taught in a class. That is how you begin a story. Jericho is 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 brilliant on another level. And Eddie Kingston has an authenticity like nothing else in wrestling. I mean, great stuff. Great, great stuff. Eddie Kingston going, what's a baby face? <laughs> like <laughs> just really, really good. That I thought I thought it was absolutely excellent. Another great promo on SmackDown. I thought the Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar stuff, no surprise, was great. And the news that we get out of that is that WrestleMania has gone from uh winner-take-all champion versus champion to a title unification match. Language is important in WWE, and this could obviously change before WrestleMania. It already has, but as of today, Brock versus Roman, before SmackDown, was winner-take-all, meaning that the winner of the match is going to be the WWE champion and the Universal champion. As of Friday night... That match is being advertised as a unification match, meaning there will only be one champion going forward. This is that when Becky won and became Becky Two Belts, it was not a unification match. She was just holding both titles and defending both titles, theoretically. And she did. She ended up losing one of the titles, keeping the other one. This one is a unification match, meaning one of these two guys leaves as the mega grand universal world heavyweight champion of all times. 
And that means that we may be back to having one champion for both shows. Could be, very likely could be, a way to get Roman Reigns to do both shows. And let me tell you something. Roman Reigns on Raw will kick that show into high gear. Now, do I think that this will slowly start to uh, uh, click away at the fabric of the of the brand split? Possibly. Possibly. I think, I think that's why I've been against unifying titles because I think that it hurts the foundation of the brand split to have one champion between both brands because theoretically, like let's say we go into a Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes story coming off of WrestleMania. What are we going to be doing on SmackDown? Roman Reigns is the champion of both brands. I mean, unless you want to elevate the Intercontinental Championship or the United States Championship, you know, I mean... Theoretically, you might be telling two stories at once. You start to plant the seeds of like Roman versus whoever on SmackDown while you're in the midst of Roman versus Cody on Raw. I don't know. Because the last thing that you want to do is tell the story of the challenger on both Raw and SmackDown because then you've really destroyed the brand split. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I do think Roman Reigns leaves WrestleMania with both titles. And I do think that it's to get Roman on both shows. And maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe because Roman will beat everybody anyway. It's not a big deal. Um, I'll tell you what is a big deal. The new rumored WrestleMania match. So the graphic goes up on the screen on SmackDown that Vincent Kennedy McMahon will be doing an interview on the Pat McAfee show on Thursday. Now, immediately I go... This is clearly to set something up at WrestleMania, right? Like, I, I did not think necessarily it was to set up Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee. But I go, yeah. I mean, I would imagine Pat's involved, but this is obviously the WWE is gone. Look, we saw how much press Brock Lesnar got from doing Pat McAfee's show, which, by the way, I think that was set up independently. That was not a big WWE, you know, press push. But... I think they go, yeah, I mean, putting Vince on Pat McAfee's show is going to get the world talking. Like, look, the wrestling world and a lot of people talked about Brock Lesnar on Pat McAfee's show, but when Aaron Rodgers is on Pat McAfee's show, it's national news. WWE's SmackDown color commentator happens to host his own show that creates national news. So I would say, yeah, that would probably be a good avenue to take if you want to make a grand announcement. It's an even bigger deal if you're going to set up a match, it's an even huger deal. If you're going to set up a match with the chairman, that's what Dave Meltzer is reporting. That's what some of the uh, uh, wrestling journalists are reporting, that the angle that's going to be set up is going to be Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. I didn't expect it. I'm surprised by it. But ultimately, you go, look, how are we going to best utilize Pat McAfee in the reach he's got? Let's be 100% honest. People are going, why don't you just have Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory? That's probably what they'll do, and maybe they will. But realistically, if Vince McMahon goes on Pat McAfee's show to announce Austin Theory versus Pat McAfee at WrestleMania, number one, they're on, they don't even interact. Like, Pat McAfee is the color commentator on SmackDown. Austin Theory is a raw superstar. I don't, I, like, I don't know how you get to that story. I think you could much easier, the idea that 
Vince has been in Pat's ear. The idea, like, you could much e more easily get to Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee, I think. Um, but also, and more importantly, because you can get to any story, right, if you tell it right. But more importantly, Austin Theory versus Pat McAfee is not a national news story. I love Austin Theory. Austin Theory is one of my favorite wrestlers. Austin Theory, if I'm putting money into the stock of one wrestler, it's Austin Theory. I think he is going to be, you know, when you talk about John Cena, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, Damian Priest is the next guy. I think Austin Theory, Austin Theory, I think is better now than John Cena was when he was Austin Theory's age, which says a lot. I love Austin Theory. And I think Austin Theory has a wide skill set. When you talk about a guy who looks like a star, when you talk about a guy who can be a babyface, who can be a heel, that can be entertaining, that can be a WWE superstar wrestler. I mean, yeah, I love Austin Theory. But is ESPN going to report that Vince McMahon was on Pat McAfee's show to announce Pat McAfee was wrestling Austin Theory at WrestleMania? Probably not. And if they did, it would just kind of be an aside. Pat McAfee is wrestling some guy at WrestleMania named, I don't know, Austin Theory. I don't know who that is. That's the mainstream report. Now, Vince McMahon is on Pat McAfee's show, and they set up an angle, and it's Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee. Number one, the clip goes everywhere. Number two, the whole world talks about it. Vince McMahon is an icon. A 76-year-old billionaire is fighting this outlandish former NFL star who's now one of the—who's now, I would say, the— well, I don't know uh, where Levitard falls. Uh, he is now among the biggest, I would say the biggest independent sports journalist, a man who has been a disruptor to the sports journalism industry, Pat McAfee. is fighting this 76-year-old billionaire. Yeah, the whole world is going to be talking about it. And I'll say this, because I tweeted about it. And there are people that are like naysaying it. Ah, Vince McMahon is 76. Pat McAfee's only had two matches. This isn't going to be good. This isn't going to be good. Listen, at this point, as fans, we have to get to a place where we speak in reality, okay? Everybody wants to be smarter than the industry. That's one of the reasons why, and, and you don't just see it in wrestling. People want to say it's just wrestling. It's not just wrestling, but you do see it in wrestling, and this is a wrestling podcast, so this is the context in which we will talk about it. Everybody wants to be smarter than the industry. Everybody wants to say why something won't work because it makes them feel smarter than the people who make the decisions. But it doesn't make you smarter if you don't learn from history because there are a lot of people, a lot of people that are Pat McAfee supporters now, publicly, that were not Pat McAfee supporters going in to various parts of Pat McAfee's career. And I know this extremely well because I was there when Pat McAfee started with WWE. Pat McAfee came in to the NXT pre-shows. It was me, Pat McAfee, Charlie Caruso, the dream team of NXT pre-shows hosting those things. And at first, who's this Pat McAfee guy? Oh, it's Pat McAfee guy. He's annoying. He's over the top. He doesn't know anything about wrestling. He doesn't know anything. What's he doing here? Naysayers. A lot of naysayers publicly for McAfee. And I said, these guys are fucking crazy. Like, do they not see that this guy is bringing real enthusiasm to what's going on? Do they not see 
that this guy is 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 somebody that people outside of wrestling he's got a, a he's got a real fan base and he's deciding to put it all into pushing WWE forward and you're going to be a naysayer okay be a naysayer they were naysayers they thought he was an idiot on the pre-show until they actually paid attention to what he was doing and they realized he was entertaining oh I actually like him oh I actually like him and then he showed up on NXT commentary and I heard it I heard it they were like Pat McAfee sucked on commentary. He was so obnoxious. And it's like, you guys have been following wrestling for decades. Decades. You guys have been analyzing, not just watching, analyzing professional wrestling. And you're saying Pat McAfee sucks on commentary. He was obnoxious. He's setting up for a match in which he's going to play the heel. What's wrong with you? Oh, well, he shouldn't be wrestling anyway. As the buildup to this Adam Cole thing started, naysayers, naysayers. Pat started cutting promos. All of a sudden, oh, Pat was actually good. Yeah, obviously he was good. Obviously. Well, I don't know if he's going to be good in a match, though. Probably shouldn't be in a match. It's going to be a joke of a match. He goes into a building with no audience in it. And has a fantastic match where he's doing goddamn flips in the air with Adam Cole. And people are like, oh, Pat McAfee's actually good. And then he shows up on SmackDown to do commentary. And at first, people are like, oh, what's Pat McAfee's going to be on commentary? Pat McAfee's going to be on commentary? And then he flips the whole game on its head. Every single thing that this guy has done within the WWE has been a home run. I hate to admit it. You kidding me? I'm not here to put other people on a pedestal. I'm here to big myself up and push everybody else down. (laughs) But Pat McAfee has literally never struck out in WWE. Everything he's done, and this is, he he probably wouldn't say this because he's not so full of himself. But all you have to do is look at it objectively. Objectively speaking, everything, every role that Pat McAfee has played in the WWE has been a home run. All of them. And most of the roles that Pat McAfee has played outside of the WWE have been a home run. He's doing a goddamn YouTube show and he's got a company paying him $100 million to do it. It's unheard of. He decided to kick footballs for a living. He played in two Super Bowls. It's unheard of. He decides he's going to just do like a stand-up tour. He's selling out theaters. What are you talking about? And the people are going home happy that they paid for the ticket. Because he did well because it's another home run. That's what this guy does. He excels in high-pressure situations. There is no reason at this point, based on past performance, to think that anything Pat McAfee is going to do is not going to be good. Because Pat McAfee is not going to do a thing that is not good. Do you understand? This is a true story. Michael Cole yelled at Pat McAfee for wearing shorts instead of big boy pants at WrestleMania. And Pat McAfee almost quit the industry. Almost quit because he didn't want to wear pants. McAfee is doing things his way because he's not going to put himself in a position where he's going to fail. If WWE came to him and said, we want you to wrestle Vince McMahon. And, and Pat was like, this is not going to be good. He wouldn't do it. 
And I don't even know if that match is happening. It's it's all based on rumors. But like, if that were to be announced on Thursday, here's what I would say. I didn't see that coming. That's insane. How is that going to work? But if anyone, if anyone, if any two people have built my faith in the fact that they will be able to put on an entertaining on-screen performance, it would be Vince McMahon and Pat McAfee. Vince McMahon does not have a lot of strikeouts under his belt either. Vince McMahon does not put himself in a position to fail, okay? I mean, I've seen one tweet there like, ah, it'll all be smoke and mirrors. It'll all be... McAfee did a swanton off a War Games cage. You know how insulting it is to be like, it won't be a real match. It'll all be... What does the guy have to do? He did a swanton off a War Games cage. Oh, it'll, it won't even be a real thing. Oh, no, of course not. Of course not. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to explain why it will be good. All you have to do is sit there and say, well, based on previous performances, there is absolutely no reason to think that if that were to happen, it wouldn't be good. It, you would be a cynical idiot with no conception of history, recent history, to sit there and go, I would assume that whatever Pat's doing at WrestleMania won't be good. I would assume that if Vince McMahon is deciding to get back into the ring, I would assume it's not going to be good. Based on what? Well, you're 76. Okay. That's, it seems like you've done your research. Very good. Very, very good. Uh, I will say this real quick before we head out of here. There's a lot, First of all, Speaking of big returns, stepping back into the ring, congratulations to X-Pac. X-Pac had a hell of a weekend, not only being involved in the big tag match for Game Changer Wrestling, GCW. It was Janela and X-Pac versus the major twins, uh, Brian Myers and Matt Cardona, the former Hawkins and Ryder. But Janela turned on X-Pac at the end of the match. So we got a big at the collective this year at WrestleMania weekend at Joey Janela's spring break. The big headline match is going to be X-Pac versus Joey Janela. X-Pac on that comeback tour. He said he was coming back. The guy's gotten himself into amazing shape. And there is there aren't many people that deserve being happy for the way X-Pac does. I mean, just an amazing guy. And if anybody deserves another run, if anybody deserves to take a victory lap over an incredible career and life, it's that guy. So congratulations to X-Pac. Um, Jeff Hardy was out here talking crazy, saying that uh, he is going to be going to AEW. He's going to be teaming with Matt Hardy. Who knows? I guess. I mean, if he says he is, he is, right? Um, and AEW says they've got a major announcement this week on TV. I mean, yeah, okay. Well, I... That's every week, right? There's, I mean, that's what the show is. It's a bunch of good wrestling matches, hopefully some promos, and then an industry-shifting announcement. I'll tell you what industry-shifting announcement needs to happen. Apparently, according to the internet, Cesaro left the WWE this week. Um, and if I'm looking at talent, right, the one thing that I don't think has happened yet is that well, I mean, you could say Matt Cardona did it, right? But he did it on an independent level. The idea that you leave WWE and you go, look what you missed. Look what you had and you missed. 
This could have been yours, and now it's someone else's. Matt Cardona has done that to an extent on the independents, 100%. But if I'm a company like AEW, this is the move to make. The talent roster, I understand. It's just so incredibly huge. But realistically, like, Cesaro... I don't necessarily want to see him go back to the independence. Number one, because he already has had such a prolific independent career. And number two, because he's one of the guys in WWE that was able to have incredible, almost independent style matches in WWE. Like his, his, the, the, his ability to work is not to be questioned. And I don't, he's one of the guys, you could, you could argue that there are people that the WWE style uh, was prohibitive for, but Cesaro is not one of them. I think that the thing that Cesaro has to prove, like when we talked about Cody coming to WWE and why it made sense to me, it was because what are the things that you have to prove in your career, right? It's not just about going where the biggest paycheck is because there are big paychecks around. It's about what is the thing to prove. For Cody, I think that proving that he can be a main eventer in WWE as part of that body of work that he's putting together that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. I think for Cesaro, the idea that you've got to show that this guy is a mainstream main event guy. If I'm AEW, I'm bringing Cesaro in and I'm putting the title on him immediately, like right away. If I'm AEW, I'm, I'm going to tell a story that immediately put Cesaro in first position. Great match after great match after great match. And I'm putting the title on him like, what is it, March? You know, I think by May, I don't know when their next pay-per-view is, but I think their next pay-per-view, the title is on Cesaro. And he's that guy. If AEW can prove this is what you missed out on, I think that that's a big shot across the bow. I think that that's what you do with a talent like Cesaro. Everybody, every wrestling fan has said, why don't you go all the way with Cesaro? Why don't you go all the way with Cesaro? It never happened in WWE, and now he's gone. So I think that what you do immediately is you go all the way with this guy, and you show, hey, man, this is what you had, and we've made him the biggest star in the industry, if you can. I think that's the message that you get out there. Uh, I appreciate you all. Uh, thank you. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling. And we will see you next week for another episode of this here podcast, Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been... Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.